I'm at the Documentation and Training Conference in Vancouver talking with Joan LaSalle of Information Development Services. Joan, tell me what you do. Well, our company is LaSalle Ramsey, and we develop custom learning, content and learning solutions for our clients. And our clients are primarily high-tech companies, mostly hardware, software, communications, and consumer electronics. We also work a lot in the medical device um, area. And so we develop the full range of information uh, for new products that's needed to sell and support and um, use uh, new technology products. Um, can you tell me about a recent project that maybe you worked on? Can you hold it a little closer to there? Tell me about a recent project that, that maybe maybe a client or somebody that, that can demonstrate, sorry, that evinces exactly kind of what your services are, things like that. Sure. Let me um, tell you about a, a couple of different projects. I can start with one that is for a consumer electronics company. And um, what they wanted to do was really take a look at their product documentation and to really support a more positive user experience. They also wanted to help promote um, faster time to market, and they, but primarily just drive a more positive user experience through the documentation. So product adoption, make sure that people when they open the box could get the product uh, installed and used quickly and easily, and that they lowered their overall support costs and just got a more positive, um, a more positive use in the market. So we did a design, a design project, looked at, looked at the users, started with the end user, and looked at what the issues were around the user, and then came up with a new documentation strategy that could be implemented across multiple product lines. So do most projects begin with the user in mind, a user analysis? I think that one of the major, one of the reasons that I think conferences like this are important is that I think they don't. I think that uh, product uh, and technical documentation people are primarily advocates for the user. I think that's one of the main jobs that they, that they do. But I think often that voice is lost uh, and their ability to represent that voice is lost because of the pressure of having to just meet a deadline or get something out the door and that often there's not an opportunity to do something new or different or innovative. And I think that one of the things that uh, we're hearing at this conference is a need to, um, to really elevate that advocacy within their own organization to make, it, um, to make the user voice heard and, and to really uh, promote that voice within the work that they're doing. But I think a lot of documentation departments are somewhat disconnected from their users. Maybe they don't, um, they don't know what their users' environments are like. What do you do to learn about the users? Do you engage in a sort of user ethnography where you go and observe them and interview them and survey them? Or how do you find out about users? You know, we do. Um, we have a, a user-centered um, design uh, approach. And we use, we, we draw from a number of different uh, methodologies. One of them is, is basic ethnographic research, which is you do sort of structured interviews with relatively small samples of, uh, of users. But you do a structured interview, and you try and come up with a 360-degree view of the user. 
So we start with really uh, looking at a, a sample of variety of users and then uh, go out and interview them and if possible observe them in their own environment and really learn about how they learn to use a product, what's important to them, what are the uh, problems that they have in, in learning about new technology. Um, and then we go from there to drawing on techniques that come from learning, the learning area, um, primarily a task analysis and do a task analysis. So what is the, the real job that people are trying to do? You know, we're about performance and about people being successful on the job. And so we're really looking at what is that job and what are the kinds of, of tasks that they're actually trying to do. And then from that we go to something that we call scenarios. Um, and scenarios then show us how they work with other people, how they interact with information, at what points in their doing their job and performing these tasks do they actually need information in order to help them get the job done, or when do they have to reach out to other people on the team to get the job done. So that gives us really what we call the persona. It's kind of a term that's used a lot in um, yeah, I've, technology. I've heard that term before. I was wondering if, if you construct personas. So the, the mm -hmm. persona is a description of a supposedly typical user and like almost a fictitious person with a name and everything, or what? Absolutely. Uh, the the uh, We take our lead from uh, some work that was done in Alan, uh, by Alan Cooper, and Alan Cooper back in probably the late 90s wrote a book called The uh, Inmates Are Running the Asylum, and in it he really described uh, his uh, process for developing personas. And so the persona is a mythical person. It's not a person that actually exists, but it's representative of a class of users. And you try and make the personas very uh, general from uh, this perspective that you don't want to have hundreds of personas. You need to have a few personas that you're developing for. But the persona really makes the end user real. So when you're sitting around talking about who are we developing this training class for, who are we writing this book for, who, wh who's going to be using this web content that we're developing, you actually can put a name, a face, and a voice to a, um, a person or, a, a, proto or a, a prototype of a person so that, that you really, that person becomes real. And you can, can keep that image of that person uh, and uh, communicate the, the image of that person to other people on the team so that you're constantly developing for them. So without a persona in mind, if you're writing documentation and you have no concept of, of the persona, what are some of the pitfalls that people make? I mean, do they just, what are some common errors that, that occur? Well, I think the common errors that occur, they write from what we call writing from the inside out rather than writing from the outside in. So being too focused on, what, on, on features, what the software does, um, uh, rather than what do you want to do with the software. So I think that I heard someone here talking about um, the difference between um, uh, that the business is really event driven and it's not feature driven, it's not function driven, it's really event driven and that's the way that people operate as well. People are really trying to do a job that doesn't necessarily relate directly to a tab and a menu in a piece, on an interface and a piece of software. And so you can get too focused on trying to be, trying to spend too much time describing the tool rather than figuring out how the tool can help people do their job. 
So I think that, that when you have a persona in mind, number one, uh, you don't necessarily write as much. You write what's essential, what's important. And you write it from a different perspective. You write it from the perspective of somebody trying to get the job done. And one of the benefits of content management is that you can segment that content a lot more discreetly so that uh, you can make available to people only the information that they need rather than giving them a, a complete book, for example. All right, Joan. Well, thanks for talking to me. It has some really cool points to, and very worthwhile. And um, if people want to know more about you, they can go to what? Do you have a website? Yes, we do. It's lr.com. lr.com for LaSalle Ramsey. All right. Thank you. Thank you.